as you drive from Guadalajara, that you land in Guadalajara and you go to tequila and you go and you see how the agave is plant, you know, and, and, and the sightseeing, I cry. I mean, I'm sorry that you're not going to believe it. I cry every time I drive it. And every time I'm like so thankful for the opportunity to be able to go back, to connect, to see the agave right there, the way it is, the beauty. You see the blue because it is blue. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Decoding Cocktails podcast. I'm your host, Chris LeBeau. At the ripe age of 38, I left my former career behind and joined the hospitality industry. Since then, I've been on a rapid journey of learning, meeting all sorts of great people, and this, this podcast, is my chance to bring you along with me. Whether I'm interviewing somebody that works in the industry, another enthusiast, or occasionally stepping back to share what I'm working on or my thoughts. I'm so glad you're here. And so with that aside, let's get into today's episode. What's happening, everybody? Uh, welcome back for another episode of Decoding Cocktails. I am Chris Lebeau. Uh, before we get into today's episode, just a quick note, a former podcast guest, uh, Marshall Manaya of Valerie and Madam George in New York City. On February 6th, Marshall and I are going to be hosting a free virtual class on aromatized wines, a.k.a. Uh, Vermouth and Kinkina, which uh, one of the brands you might know in that is Lillette Blanc. Uh, and we'll probably get into Sherry a little bit too. Uh, what are these things? How do you use them? When and when are they not interchangeable? Uh, there will be a link to register for that in the show notes. Uh, and certainly reach out if you have any questions. My guest today is Mari Carmen Ortiz Conway. She is uh, from Mexico City, but now calls uh, St. Louis home. And Mari Carmen is a certified tequila expert and is an official catadora, which means taster. Uh, Mari Carmen and I were introduced and, uh, you know, uh, as you will hear very shortly, uh, the level of passion and enthusiasm that, you know, just comes off of this woman, especially regards to uh, her home country and in particular, the spirits from her home country is just uh, overwhelming in the best way possible. Uh, there will be links on places you can find her. Uh, one thing that you'll hear her talk about is she does also at times make tours available uh, in New Mexico if you're ever interested in heading down there. Uh, so today we are going to primarily talk about uh, tequila. Um, and um, one of the things I wanted to put in a little side note, uh, she also has a recipe out there I found for Mexican hot chocolate. And so that will also be linked to in the show notes. Um, but a couple of things, and you'll see this on her website as well. Um, at one point when she was talking with a very renowned tequila distiller, uh, you know, I think she kind of said to him in passing, hey, like, you know, what are some of your favorites? And he said, my favorite tequila is acompañado, which means, uh, to translate literally, means accompanied. And accompanied with what? With people. And, uh, you know, a thing, I think we, a theme we come back to over and over again on this show is this idea that we don't make a drink. We make it for someone. Sharing tequila uh, with someone is what really matters. And so uh, something to keep in mind as you listen to this and pull out your tequila, your mezcal, um, or go out and buy some, um, who are you going to share that with? You know, it's always a great thing to be thinking about. Um, 
one of the things we're going to talk about early in the episode is we talked, I asked, uh, this was a couple of months ago, we talked and Mari Carmen was getting ready to head down to Mexico for um, Dia de los Muertos. And so I wanted to know a little bit about what it was, but she said something that I feel like was valuable, which is the idea that we have holidays to celebrate all sorts of things. And we do have a Memorial Day to celebrate fallen soldiers. But around the holidays is when at times we tend to remember, you know, the loved ones, the friends that we have lost. Um, But as she said, we don't actually have a day for that here in this country. And she talked about the importance of setting that time aside for them. So I feel like that was a very um, nice, enjoyable part of the conversation. Uh, In addition, uh, one of the things, especially as we watch the ascent of tequila right now, the idea that um, so Mexico has what's called the CRT. Don't ask me what the full name of it is right now, but that is the regulatory commission that oversees tequila. And she'll get into that, and we'll talk about things like the app Tequila Matchmaker, which there'll be a link to as well in the show notes. But the idea that the level of rigor behind text testing in Mexico is so robust that at times even the good old folks in the Champagne region of France will send stuff to the CRT lab in Mexico because they're tools are so advanced, which I thought was a pretty fun thing and uh, certainly a point of pride. Um, finally, one thing we didn't get into, and I will link out to this a little bit as well, but I asked Mari Carmen at one point about the various ways you can cook tequila. Uh, Mezcal is now very famously known for being cooked underground. You can cook tequila in some instances in kind of an underground oven or in a above-ground oven. Um, a lot of times something called an autoclave is used, which is kind of like a... Um, a pressure cooker. Um, and she talked around this, and I'm sure that there are exceptions. But one of the things she did, uh, so what I really wanted to talk about was this idea of autoclave, this kind of um, um, uh, kind of this uh, pressure cooker versus what's called the diffuser. And some of the controversial issues right now around diffusers are that um, it, they can be used to uh, permit the harvest of very immature and young uh, agave plants, which is not helping to build up a robust system and overtaxing nature as well. At times, also chemicals are used in them. And so, um, you know, just as we again watch the rise of tequila, there are still things out there that um, that we need to know more about with respect to this spirit that's just doing incredible things right now in the country. Um, but either way, uh, this is a wonderful interview. Mari Carmen is a, a wonderful soul, and uh, I hope you will. Uh, check out the links to find her. And uh, that's what I've got. Enjoy this episode. So Mari Carmen, uh, buenos dias and and gracias for for taking some time to to talk today. Hola, Chris. Gracias. Buenos dias also. I am very um, happy and thankful for your patience working with me with, you know, rearranging our schedules and making it possible for me to be able to talk about tequila, Mexico, and my passion that is take this to everybody because um, it, it, it's, it's in our blood, right? So it's, it's a super fun time to watch agave spirits because for many of us, um, you know, uh, our older memories of tequila, uh, if we have any of mezcal, are uh, there. It's it's a late night 
party drink its terrible margaritas and to see the ascent, the curiosity of how these things are grown, brought to the market. Um, with that, of course, comes other things to talk about in terms of all kinds of international investment and things oh, that are, that are that are that are complicated. Um, but a, some a, something that felt topical, just to kind of start us off somewhere. I know you are getting ready to head down to Mexico for Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that is like. Tell us a little bit about the 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 holiday, the ritual. Just tell us a little bit about what that's like. Um, I love this day, right? Um, Dia de los Muertos, I always thought, you know, we have day of, you know, the mom's you know mother's day we have father's day we have veterans day we have you know a day of you know vet you know memorial day labor day and we never have you know here a day of the dead and what we do is we remember those have that have been in our lives we honor them and we open the the doors because it is believed that they come back to see us, you know. So the altars, we, you know, make them in a way that we put things that they loved when they were alive and their favorite foods. And it's a way of just always remembering them, honoring them, and hoping that they're around watching us. And it's just a day that we honor them. So it's celebrated in different ways. Last year, I was very um, happy and honored to be in Oaxaca, which is, I think, the best uh, place to be in Day of the Dead. It's absolutely amazing. And I was, I, I, I took um, moonshiners to Mexico. And um, if anybody wants to watch that episode on Mezcal, and they, t- you know, we do have a little bit of, you know, clips of Day of the Dead celebration. Um, in Mexico with um, Tim Smith and we were recording there the Day of the Dead um, last year and it was amazing Um, in Oaxaca they do not work those days nobody they just celebrate and honor their you know family members their loved ones in in every way so they make cook that they make food they cook for everybody they invite everybody and it's just party just celebrating and honoring. They make beautiful altars, you know, and it is a satire, if you want to, you know, say it that way. You know, Mexicans, we, we we do a little bit of a satire, you know, of the dead. You know, we have the Katrina, which is a, um, you know, personaje that's absolutely amazing. You know, that's the kind of like the skeleton looking, you know, and the Katrina. And, mm. and, and, and it's, a, it's a beautiful um, celebration throughout Mexico. Um, you know that 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 I love to celebrate um, like that. That united with tequila and mezcal, it's even better. You know because and Mexico, right? Because it is all a synonym: fiesta, family values, togetherness, um, celebration, mariachi, music, song. You know it all ties together in in these celebrations. Name it a birthday, the Day of the Dead, you know, whatever. It's always an excuse to have tequila in your table, you know, mezcal in your table, and just take advantage of of knowing. And then while we're talking, you know, I would love to take you from that that thing that you just said, that um, 
in in your olden days you had the opportunity just to you know everybody has those memories right of of a bad night with tequila and pull you away from that of course because today we have tequila made in um, in amazing ways that we can really understand that you know we really i teach how to kiss the tequila and that's understanding the aromas that we have the different processes the different ways not to come and do a shot quick shot because we need to understand that before you do that shot the process of you holding a tequila blanco in your hand it's been at least seven to ten years right so when we think about that and when we think this is not this is like no other drink in the world because wine is beautiful but wine it's the grapes the season you harvest the grapes you take care of the grapes right they die and then everything happens in the bottle for years right but this happens in the ground you plant the agave you know and you take care of the agave for seven you know to ten years right to come to the sweetness that you need that plus the aging process is to have a, a tequila blanco in your hand is at least seven years of work of every day looking at the plant taking care of the plant making sure the plant is growing the way it has to grow checking the sweetness the weather the different areas that we can talk about you know so you cannot just come and do a shot you know right now right. it's understanding and you know we'll get we'll get there yeah and i mean culturally i think um i was talking with a gentleman recently and he said you know i mean like yeah like so many cultures are best represented or symbolized in a way at times through some of this history. And right before we started, you know, recording, you talked about, and I think it it's an interesting symbolism for the Day of the Dead. You know, you said, uh, you know, uh, this tequila maker you s- spoke with, uh, his favorite tequila drink was acompañado, which yes. means, you know, with someone, right? Yes, and, yes. And, you know, so often I like to think, Let's get a drink is just code for I miss you. Let's yes. let's get together. Absolutely. And of course, on Day of the Dead, we're thinking about some of the people hopefully we have some of the most cherished memories with. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. and it's sad yeah. that they're not here, but we get to honor those, yeah. those celebrate their lives. Yes. Which what a you know, how beautiful is that? I love this day because it is a celebration of their life. Right. If not, then you forget. Right. When do we honor them or when do we think of them? It's all the time, right? Right. Because we, we anybody that has a loved one is not that you just think about this this day, right? Because we we miss them every single day. Yes. But this is a party for them. Yes. You know, it is a party that we do for them, not only because we think of them every single day. Um but this day is a fiesta celebration honoring, cooking for them, thinking of them, bringing them back to say salud. We love you today and we're happy celebrating your life, you yeah. know. So that's basically what we do on on, you know, on the day of the dead. So to this spirit and plant that has brought us together today, you know, in terms of how deeply it's interwoven into Mexican culture. So when we're talking about the agave plant starting at the beginning with it, uh, we know it for tequila, but for many of us here in the U.S., we wouldn't know many of the different other th- ways that it's used as a plant. Mm-hmm. So do you mind talking to us about some of the other uses? And then we'll, of course, get into what happens as we bring this thing into maturation 
-hmm. and turn it into a tasty spirit. Yes, so agave is used in uh, different ways. You know, there's agave um, syrup. You know, agave has inulina, you know, which is, uh, if, if you want to go into the scientific way, you know, um, it's not as sweet as other honey, so it helps you with your blood sugars. You know, inulina is great, but it's all, it's used for that, you know, in, 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 in your agave syrup to sweeten things that, that is better, but also there's paper that comes from agave fibers, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful paper. You know, um, people are using it more because of, you know, the planet, you know, and everything that, you know, that, that we're trying to keep it, you know, clean, um, doing straws for agave, you know, from agave. There are, um, you know, lamps that are made from uh, the fibers that are left over, you know, um, there are under mats, you know, that, that, that you can make too. So there's several things that you can make with, you know, with the fibers of the agave and with the, you know, syrup, you know, it, in itself, you know, that um, they are producing, you know, many things right now, other uses for sure of the agave, um, of the agave plant. It, it makes me think about, and hopefully it's a okay analogy, that uh, sometimes when we talk about the way that um, Native Americans used the buffalo in, in so many things, you know, uh, and so, you know, looking at this plant solely for, you know, tequila or the spirit is the wrong way. And it, the idea that it can have these, these multifaceted uses obviously is what interweaves it so deeply into the culture at that point. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's it's interesting, and you know, there's a companies that are you know taking advantage of the of all this. You know, sure. the growth is just in immense, as you know. You know, yeah. so it is a tremendous uh, growth for the spirit, for the love for Mexico, yeah. for the culture, and for the things that come out of this you know plant as well. Mm-hmm. So in 1974. Uh, the government of Mexico did something that, you know, I think the easiest example is always champagne. I think people get it. You know, the, the, the government of Mexico said, okay, when you are producing tequila, it needs to come from these particular regions. It needs to call on these plants in order to be it. So tell us a little bit about the regions where tequila can come from. Um, and, you know, we'll weave our way there, but, and, but tell us a little bit about how it's grown and how we get to actually having a spirit in a bottle right there. Yes, so this is really interesting and I love to talk about the denomination of origin because it's really important for us um, that Mexico is the only country where tequila can be made. And it started um, more for the same tequileros, you know, um, more than, you know, than the government. It was that same tequileros trying to come up with a um, way of protecting tequila, you know, and, um, Definitely, um, one of the main um, pushers, I don't know how to say in English, pushers or promoters was um, Don Jaime Orendain Hernandez, you know, that had a lot to do with this um, law, getting it started, and then other, you know, tequileros as well. Um, And then we have the denomination of origin. That's the first denomination of origin that Mexico has. We currently have 17 denomination of origin. But the first one that we got was in 1974, and it's tequila. Tequila can be made in five states. Jalisco, which is the main producer. Um, It's like talking about bourbon. In the United States, we have the denomination of origin 
of bourbon. Nobody else in the world can make bourbon, call it bourbon, but us. Right. But the best bourbon comes from where? Kentucky. So the same thing happens with tequila. You know, um, we have tequila coming from Jalisco, which is the largest, most known, wealthier, you know, wealthier in 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 soil, in land, and it co that's where it comes. And we'll talk about the regions, you know, of it. But Jalisco is a state that the whole state can can be considered to make tequila. Okay, and then we have Michoacán, Zacatecas, Tamaulipas, and Guanajuato, and Jalisco. Five states. And it's not the whole state. It's only certain municipalities mm, interesting. in those states okay. that, that, that touches Jalisco that tequila can be made. And, um, you know, but that's the, the nomination of origin that is so important because nobody can call it tequila. Right. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this. I'm curious. I don't know how much of this is lobbying versus the land isn't hospitable in the right way, but in, in terms of, uh, for some of the states where it's not the entire state, uh, is that just because they don't have an, an, an interest in growing agave, or is it because um, they were pushed out? Do, do you know why? And if you don't, it's not a problem. I'm no, just curious. No, 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 that's okay. Look, this is very controversial. So your listeners, you know, that's just my opinion, okay? Um, I think it has to do with climate, which is important, okay? Um, and that the agave doesn't grow in the whole state. And when they did it, they have to make sure that the conditions for blue agave are the right ones mm -hmm. in order to be made tequila. And, you know, Tamaulipas, for example, is just very, very little because it's very dry. You know, it's not in the same, you know, um, if you if you see geographically, you know, um, and it, there's only few, but there's good agave you know, and, and has different notes because of the terroir, you know, same. So it cannot be the whole state because, you know, it just doesn't produce what tequila and what blue agave needs to be, um, you know, having the sugars, yes. having the sweetness right. that is required, um, you know, to, to, to be tequila. Yeah, and, and much like the same way uh, there are parts of California that grow, exactly. that grow lots of wine and other parts that don't because exactly. it's less hospitable to the grape itself. Or you have to grow a different type of grape. And when we're talking about tequila, we're talking about this singular plant, the, uh, the Blue Weber. Right yes, here. absolutely. Mm. Uh -huh, absolutely. And, you know, there's, um, it's very specific, the municipalities that we have. I don't have the, the information, you know, right now, but it's very... We can link out to that. Uh -huh, we'll, link, we'll link that for sure. And I have exactly how many municipalities of each state there is and where they are. So that would be an interesting, um, you know, thing for, for listeners that you want to know exactly where, you know, uh, Michoacán has... Um, some, you know, um, most of, you know, I think of the other states, um, Nayarit, of course, you know, but it's certain municipalities and it's, and it's good to, to do and to look through other um, states as well. Mm -hmm. um, so now I kind of want to talk about, and, and I don't know, you know, as people become more and more connoisseurs or curious about tequila, I'd be interested to talk about them how we think about it on a state by state, but one of the things we had agreed we wanted to review is uh, because these plants seven to ten years, you know, before you quickly down that shot, everybody, uh, you know, think about the history and the story and the work behind that, but also not just 
uh, how long it took to grow it, but where it was grown. So when tequila is grown uh, on a hillside, as opposed to when it's grown in a valley, we can get a very different flavor at times. Uh, uh, as so the most, you know, I'm going to sp speak about Jalisco because it's the most known. Yes. Okay. And yes. the majority of the tequilas come from Jalisco. Mm -hmm. Jalisco is divided in regions. You know, we have the highlands and we have valles. Okay. And valles, you know, people say lowlands and I do not like because it's not, you know, it, the altitude is also, you know, high. I think um, the valles, it's three thousand seven hundred feet you know above sea level so that's not low Got you it. know and so just the highlands you know it's a little higher for sure and that gives us because of the climate because of the weather because of of the altitude different notes different you know um sugars you know it, it just matures different you know it's cooler um you know it has cooler weather and it matures faster or slower in, you know, depending on the area. So the highlands give us, um, has more um, copper, okay, minerals. Um, so therefore they say it has a sweeter um, tequila, um, fruitier, and compared to the valley, we have more earthy, um, different minerals, but remember there's a volcano um, in tequila. So the valley region is all volcanic area. And the water that they use to make tequila comes, you know, from the volcanic area. So it's rich in, um, you know, in, in, in different minerals that give us a spicy herbal uh, notes, you know, and that makes this region of the valley very um, rich, um, you know, to make tequilas. Mm -hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so in terms of when we think about uh, tequila beginning to scale up and it's um, the demand for tequila is really rising right now. And so there are many traditional ways in which it is still made at times. So we, at the right time when this plant is ready for harvest, we go out and we, you know, pull it out of the ground and break it down. Um, when the tequilero brings this in to, uh, in to begin preparing it, they can begin cooking it and crushing or milling it in various ways. Talk, do, do, would you mind talking to us a little bit about the ways in which it can be cooked or um, and milled, unless there's something else we should cover first? Yes, first, first, first. I would like to make sure that, um, that your listeners also understand how important it is um, to know that tequila is one of the most regulated beverages, spirits that we have. Um, we have the, the Consejo Regulador del Tequila, which is the Tequila Regulatory Council, making sure that everything is absolutely by law, okay? We have a, a norm, 006, which is a norm that dictates all the details of the tequila, where, how, process, um, you know, everything is dictated there. And I love to talk about this because when we go to Mexico, it's really important that if you go on a tour to find out and to look about tequila and to learn about the process and to learn about the, you know, highlands or valley or what tequilas you, you like, 
also stop by the CRT and know because we have a lab that's over a million dollars invested on knowing and making sure that everything is perfect. So when you talk about the denomination of origin and having other states, you have a certain time when you plant your blue agave to register in the CRT. If it's not registered and the CRT doesn't have your your registrations for your agave, it cannot be used for tequila. So they, there's always somebody that's going to be at the field making sure that what is being grown, what has been planted, when it's what's been taken care of is within the denomination of origin. So not just any plant that you just can come and say, okay, sure. I'm going to plant this, I'm going to use that. No, if it's not within and registered in the CRT, you cannot. And Mari Carmen, uh, I forget the, the term here, but so um, I, I'm thinking of the website, uh, Tequila Matchmaker. Uh, yeah, but, I love, I know, Grover is the, the creator and I love him, he's, he's great. So please get, download this, this app. Thank you for, for this commercial for Grover, I'm happy to. It's a great app, Tequila Match, and really they do a tremendous job um, you know, following and, and making sure that every tequila that is complying with everything is with them. And so, Mari Carmen, on somewhere on each bottle, there is a, I think it, it, I think there's a precursor to a four l- a number. Yeah, that's oh, called oh, the NUM. Yeah, the NUM. That's okay. what I thought. Yeah. Yes. And so if you type that in, you know, you can see things like, for example, if we were going to type in Jose Cuerfo, just for an example, uh, you would also see other tequilas that might be made at Cuervo's facility too. So it's a way where you can begin to understand, uh, one, you might see like, oh, this is just used for uh, Siete Leguas. Exactly, uh, yes, yes, yes. Every every nom is like their house, if you want to think it that way. So in every bottle, if you guys look, there's an N-O-M, and that number gives you the house, the distillery where it's made. And uh, you go into and you can know the distillery, where it is, and then exactly if they do maquilas, if they do other tequilas, it's named what tequilas have been done there either in the past or currently or if they don't do it anymore. And many times people that are connoisseurs or that know a little bit more about tequila know, oh, that nom, normally the tequilas are this, 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 this profile or no that nom has this 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 profile right. and you can start knowing um and getting to know the area better and understanding what profiles and what area is what you like the most so i like that the app because it has also notes and you know and it has you know the the, the you know the, the location and everything for you know for for that so it's a great tool if you're getting into tequila it's 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 a great tool you know going back to the crt they are wonderful in order to keep all these you know are you know fixed and 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 really regulated champagne the region of champagne sometimes sends things to be checked at at the crt really so i am super happy and honored that we in mexico have a Top of the top, um, notch, you know, state of the art um, lab and 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 people and you know chemistries and everything that really dedicate the time to know this. 
so when we hear about, oh, yeah, somebody, you know, they, they died because they had tequila. Uh-uh. No, no, no. We have to make sure that the tequila that is coming from always is sealed, checked, verified, approved. You know, I cannot stress enough the tremendous job that the CRT does because not only they register the plant, but they follow through. When you're harvesting the agave, you know, you take the agave, then it turns into a pineapple shape um, agave, and that goes, and somebody from the CRT is there making sure that it's been um, taken from the denomination of origin place and for the plants that are registered. Sure. Then they go to the distillery. They, they, they take them down from the distillery. Somebody from the CRT is making sure that they're there and they're being used for that. You know, so they're there all the time. When, you know, the process passes and then you age, you know, and you come to a reposado añejo or an extrañejo, in the barrels, there's a seal. And only the CRT can open that seal. If the CRT comes and once, you know, because they're there when you pour the liquid in, then they seal it. Okay, mm -hmm. when you open it and somebody from the CRT is not there and just broke, you cannot use it for sale. Wow. So it's always, you know, super, you know, regulated. They have the seals and anybody that has been in an, you know, in an, in a um, aging room in tequila, you see all the barrels with the seals. And and I love that because it is it's a it's a great, you know, yep. peace of mind that 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 we have not, you know, for not to follow that. You know, this happened. No, 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 no. That cannot happen in tequila. Follow. It's got to be sealed. It's perfect. And, and, and it's great. You know, we have, we have the best spirit, um, you know, out there in every way for the materia prima because it comes from the agave and blue agave is marvelous. It is, it's great, full of um, the sugars, you know, the contents that it gives us. I think just being blue agave makes it richer, makes it more unique, and and makes us take care of of what we have in many ways. You know, the the blue agave. Everybody that that have planted and that have land with blue agave are very aware and responsible and careful of maintaining. Um, their blue agave, you know, so I think it's richer to have just blue agave because we can divide it, you know, take it, take advantage of everything that it has for us, and then choose a profile that we want in the different, um, you know, ways that we can, you know, we can, we can talk about. So a question, and, you know, this is asked in the vein of believing and seeing that tequila has is you know again is going through this incredible rise and the quality of spirit is really raise it rising but whether it was back when i was 21 or even now if i was to go to the liquor store i could likely find something that says tequila of questionable quality now the grower the distiller may be adhering to some basic standards but in terms of not everything labeled tequila right now is people are going to find uh, as smooth and pleasing on the palate as some products. So are there shortcuts or things that are done at times that are allowed that make some products 
not as high quality as others. And again, I'm not trying to muddy tequila because it's more just knowing that um, there are some products on the market out there that would be pretty harsh on the palate. So that is all. that depends on your palate. I don't think I, that I can talk bad about any tequilas that we have as long as it is regulated, as long as it seals and as long as it's, uh, it says tequila. Okay. We have two different types of tequila. That's very important that we understand. We have tequila and we have 100% tequila. Okay. So tequila can be made of 49% of other sugars, which could be fructose, uh, whatever, you know, uh, caña, you know, from you know from the sugar, sugar, sugar cane mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. Um, whatever you we, they choose and 51% of the sugars from the blue agave right and that's the tequila category mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that's good or bad we have great tequilas that are mixtos that are tequilas um, it all depends on your budget on your likes there's great tequilas that are extrañejos that are that are tequila but it's what you like yeah the other category is 100% blue agave that is specifically and exclusively the sugar comes from 100% blue agave. Got it. And when you go and you buy your tequila, the label says tequila 100% blue agave or tequila, no, este agave azul. And that's the difference in in, in between both categories, right, right? right? Which is important to know. From there, we have Blanco, reposado, añejo, and extra añejo. And then the gold that, you know, it's not so big right now. But right. That, that's the category. Blanco comes straight from this process that we're talking about. Then I go back a little to that process. Um, you know, like you say, we plant the, the, the agave when it's an hijuelo, when it's a baby, okay, and you take care of it, you know, um, five, six, seven years, you know, but not, not less than, in, and de- de- depending on the area and depending on the care and depending on the master distiller on when they want and what they want, you know, for um, bricks, you know, grados bricks, which is how they measure the sugar mm-hmm. is, yes. is, is when they harvest. And normally they go and they select the agaves and they say this one. So it, it, it's very preference, you know, their own preference. There's, um, master distillers that choose to cut their their hima longer and they leave instead of being short to the pineapple and making it very short they leave it longer you know so it changes the profile mm. so it's really interesting on on where the area how they cut it how they take the sugar you know the, or, or how they measure and what they call to be the sugar that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So it, every distillery has their own, you know, way of, or recipe starting from the agave. So when we think about this, you know, it takes, like I said, you know, seven to 10 years, more or less to get to the sugars that, that tequila is used, you know, and then from there you harvest, then you take it to the distillery, then it's cut, so it goes in the oven, and then it's cooked. There's different processes also. You know, we can talk about just a um, brick oven or an autoclave, you know, or, you know, the diffuser, which is another way that that's, we'll get to that. But these are ways that you cook the agave, okay? And the flavors are different. Then, then the squeezing of the juice 
are different processes as well. Mm. We have a roller mill, or we have a tajona, or again, the diffuser. And the, and the flavors that it gives you, imagine a tajona, which is a volcanic rock, squeezing around and around, like in the olden days that you see how, it, how it's done with a donkey or a horse, right? Around and around, squeezing the agave. The notes that's gonna get are different from the roller mill that, you know, it is, you, you pour the cooked agave in it and it just cuts it and squeeze the, the juice. And, you know, and then it's, you know, rinse with this, you know, water. And the, the, the flavors that it gives us when we're doing, you know, this process are different also. So it affects the profile on the way that the juice is squeezed or obtained from the pineapple, you know, from the agave. And that goes then after to the distillation, to the fermentation, mm -hmm. where it turns into alcohol, and that's where magic, you know, happens. I think the whole process is magic to me. <laughs> you know, the, for, for me, it's magic, the whole, the whole process. But in the fermentation, also, every distillery has its own um, recipe. So some can be natural, some make their own fermentation, some create the fermentation, some do music, some do classic music. That is a... A, a topic that's worth speaking because we can, you know, speak about different um, tequilas specifically and what they do, um, you know, to get their fermentation right. where they want it to be. After fermentation, then it goes to the distillation process. And, you know, the distillation is um, where also I think magic happens because it's where, you know, you clear that and you clean it and you bring it to the level of the alcohol, you know, that you want comes, you know, 55, you know, 60 degrees, and then you start, you know, making it to, to exactly what, you know, what you want. Right. And, you know, it, it's very important to have the distillation process. You know, normally the first process, it's not called tequila, it's just called ordinario. And then it passes, you know, through, and then they select heads and tails or heart of the distillation. And that's, you know, we, it, that all depends also on, on every... Uh, distillery, what they choose to do, if they choose to do he cut heads and tails and work with a heart and then redo the heads and tails again, or just work with the heart of the, you know, of the distillation process. So the notes that we're getting in every tequila is going to be different. And that's just a matter of how much you like tequila, um, you know, going back to your question now from here, then it's passing it through the um, bottles straight from the distillation to the bottles as your tequila blanco. Then, you know, cannot be at the most two months. So that is straight, as pure as you can get. Then the next one is reposado, which is reposed, if you want to say it. But I like our listeners to learn the, wor the word reposado because when you look and you go to buy your tequila, the label is going to say reposado. So it's it's important that we know that reposado has minimum two months of being aged in American or French oak um, barrels by law. Okay, so it doesn't matter if it's French oak or American oak, but it has to be reposed at least two months. You know, they say up to a year, but it also depends on the size of the barrel, but at least two months. The next one is añejo which is at least one year 
in American oak or French oak barrels. And, you know, imagine at least one year the notes that you can get in an Añejo if it's 18 months. You know, um, it's different notes, definitely, of wood, of caramel, chocolate, you know, because a lot of the... Um, a lot, a lot of the distilleries age their tequilas in bourbon, okay? So the notes that come from a barrel that has been previously used, you know, um, that you know, the tequila previously used in, in bourbon barrels right. are notes that you get from the barrel. It, you know? it, it's something I like to tell people who are, you know, bourbon diehards. It's like, hey, you should try Añejo or Extra Añejo because a lot of times it's going to be sat in ex-bourbon barrels. And so clearly you're still going to have the the earthiness and qualities that you get from a tequila, but as it's leaching out and attaching to that barrel, you are going to get some of those familiar woody notes, if not even minor little bits of bourbon infusion into the... the, the and it's in, in, it's super interesting, these also, because there's some tequilas that are aged in wine barrels, you know, and so, and right now there are some that are aged in beer barrels. So things are changing and, yes. you know, um, the industry is... is branching out in different things and it makes it really interesting and I, I love this so one of the one of the things you know that we know is uh, bourbon by law have they have to use new barrels okay they have to use new barrels and um, when we know that bourbon is using new barrels by law they only use it two years right now they can age it and then take longer but those barrels after they're used then they're done. Right. And so then we use them. So we have a glut of bourbon barrels because they can only use them one time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we we get those those notes, you know, and so going back into, you know, the añejo and then comes extrañejo, which is at least three years aging. Mm -hmm. So we have blanco, no aging, reposado at least two months, añejo at least a year, extrañejo at least three years. So an extrañejo can go 10 years. Right. So it all depends the brand. It all depends, you know, what it is. So as you know tequila, you can choose and read about it. Read what are they aging their product, how long they're aging it. And again, like you say, the taste. I cannot say good or bad because as long as it's a tequila, there's tequilas for every palate. Sure. I know people that love the acidity or the roughness when you take it because they like the rough. Yeah. And some that like to put in their mouth and be sweet and smooth. Yeah. And and it's like reading a book, I always say. Drinking a tequila or understanding a tequila is like reading a book. The same book is not going to be read the same or we're not going to feel the same, you and I, mm -hmm. even though we're reading the same book. Right. Your your feelings, your imagination, your experience is going to be completely different than my mind and my feelings and my oof, you know, that, that I can feel in that same book. And the same happens with tequila and our taste buds mm -hmm. and our palates and, and our mood. Sometimes you wake up wanting something and sometimes you want to be with your, you know, honey and, uh, you know, and, and just spend sipping you know, time or sometimes you, your, your same body because things we eat doesn't taste the same. Right. So it all changes. And that's what's so passionate about, about tequila because we have, you can make your notes like I do, you know, I, I have had, I do blind tastings and, and I love to know 
the regions and the, and the flavors and the aromas and the softness and the sweetness and, you know, and, and everything. And then just see what I like, what my palate likes and how I like to drink my tequila and with what. Because that's another, you know, thing that I love to talk about is pairing. What goes well with a blanco? What goes well with a reposado? And it is a passion to really get a good blanco tequila with a good ceviche. Mm. And pairing that because of the acidity, the peppery, the notes. And when you do that, you're like, boom, ah, you know, it's like, wow, because you're pairing in your mouth a, a great tequila, you know. Um, this used to happen with wine. And I um it's starting to be a sommelier, but as you know, it's it's complicated, you know, the regions and everything. But I love, it's my passion too. And, you know, all the notes that we have, we do the same thing with tequila. You know, you get a glass and you see it and you start first with your eyes, you know, and then your nose and then you taste it. You know, so I teach how to kiss the tequila is the best way of understanding because you are really kissing the tequila to understand all these, you know, flavors. And when you have a blanco and you get the notes and the smells, when it pairs and the agave flavors and the agave aromas and what it tastes like. And, and, and we have over, like I said, 600 aromas that, that we have in tequila. And, and we can pair that with great food and get the naughtiness of the dish or, or the buttery or, you know, or the chocolate and the sweetness and you boom, you create a bomb in your mouth, you know, and, and, and a whole experience, which is, it's amazing. Do you just for the person listening out there, you know, 600 sounds like a lot, but, and I don't know if you know this. So if we're talking about rum or whiskey or whatever, do you have any idea how many flavors are in a different spirit just as a comparison? If you don't, no worries. I don't know okay. how many yeah. okay. because that's not my expertise. I'm sure. experta in tequila. Sure. Okay. But I, I like whiskey. And also, of course, whiskey has different notes and right. smells. You know, I don't know how many. Um, but if you have a whiskey as well and you like that, um, you know, process, it's great. If you like a whiskey or a cognac, you know, I invite you to try a añejo or an extrañejo yep. because it will have the body to compare to a cognac, you know, so cognac drinkers or whiskey drinkers are like just set on their, you know, um, spirit, you know, but I invite you um, to try a tequila and, and compare because the notes and the process and the um, density and the body, it's very comparable and very um, rich in, in many ways that I think you will be surprised, you know, um, to, to, to start exploring this amazing spirit. So um, I'm not, I, I am a tequila expert, but, um, Just fine. you I, know. I had a, uh, a client call me recently and they wanted to do a, a bourbon tasting. And so I got to talking with them because one, we should make everybody happy, but it's also sometimes like, sometimes I think people, they need a little guidance in terms of what they really want. And I was like, you know, if you like aged whiskey, I was like, what would really make this tasting really interesting is we're going to bring in an aged tequila. That would be so interesting. We're going to bring in an, an aged rum. Yeah. And this way we're going to offer you some real contrast where you're going to get to see like 
the similarity of like what does barreling do to something. Absolutely. But when you have a different base ingredient, you get to see how that yields differently. Oh, that's so, passionate. That's yeah. that's amazing because I have been in Kentucky, you know, in different, um, you know, distilleries, and I love, you know, to to see the difference that they have within the the bourbons right. and the notes that you get of how they're they're made also. And I have my favorite bourbons. I love it too. And uh, pairing a bourbon with a good chocolate, yeah. it, it's it's oof, it's the best. So I'm not only saying, you know, tequila. I love to talk about tequila and tell all of you, drink tequila because, you know, I love my country. I, sure. I, I love who, I love the story. I love who, I love the, 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 the tequileros, you know, in, 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 in many ways. I have many friends. Um, in different distilleries that I adore, that have opened their, their doors to me for my knowledge, for my growth, for my uh, passion, um, because they know I come and I speak and I transfer that to everybody and I invite them and they open the doors of their distilleries. Um, so we all also can go and and feel and understand and love and fall in love with tequila. Um. Yeah, no, anyways, I, I, I think that's great. And yeah, and, and she's definitely passionate about uh, tequila because she definitely get a look at her uh, agave earrings that you can't see right now, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know we talked about beforehand. Um, so if someone is, you know, one, it's amazing to me how many people on. I did a party last weekend. And one of the things that blows my mind about where we're at right now. So one, I work... Uh, part-time uh, at a bar up the street from here called Lacey Tiger. And right now we're in the middle of their Halloween season. And the number one selling cocktail on their Halloween menu is a mezcal cocktail. You know, they've got a whole different range, but the ascent of agave is just wild. Or I worked a private party last weekend and we went through more tequila than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so cool to see this. And so part of the answer, Mari Carmen, could be, that people um, go to their local bar, talk to a bartender. But if someone is going to their local liquor store uh, because they want to try out tequila a little bit more, do you have any thoughts on how they try to make a decision on what to buy? Is it just doing research? Is it just, I guess I'm just curious, do you have any advice for people as we see the proliferation of the amount of tequila? Well, you know, that is, uh, oof, an oof question Mm -hmm. because there's so many you know right now um you know one thing i don't want to make any industry mad but we tequila have surpassed sales of on whiskey yeah and it watch the throne whiskey it's yeah it's great it's great i love it and um i'm very proud of this and i cannot stress enough that i want everybody to come visit mexico and invite everybody to guadalajara um, you know, to come and, and visit or Oaxaca for mezcal that you were saying. Mezcal is also uh, the nomination of origin. We have also the denomination of origin of mezcal and the difference that, you know, if you want it, I can really say it really quickly of, you know, what mezcal is and, you know. And, and I think, um, yeah, if, if very quickly also thinking about it compared to tequila, 
you know, how do they think about tequila to mezcal? Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be great. Yeah. So to whatever extent you want to kind of cover. So the very di- quickly, because we can have another session of, the, sure. of on mezcal only, because it's really amazing. And, and I would love to be back with you, Chris. This is great. Um, really quickly, that the, the, the basic is the um, what it's made of, la materia prima. Tequila, again, is only made with blue agave. We have over 200 species of agave in the world. Mexico has, you know, exactly those 200 species. You know, Mexico has the most. Um, So mezcal is made with different types of agave. In, In reality, they say 34 that they use, but the normal or the majority are 13. And you have espadín, you know, which is the the most well, you know, known. Um, you know, we have Madre Cuiche, Cuiche, Mexicano. There's so, so many. And so it's the mezcal is made with different types of agave, okay? And the other main reason is the way it's cooked. So mezcal is cooked in a oven that it's made a hole in the ground and it's smoked. So the notes that you're going to get in a mezcal are more smoked than in tequila. Yeah. And now there, you know, there are regions that are not smoking it that much, but it's the type of agave that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the regions as well. We have the denomination of origin, but there are different regions, different states that belong to the you know, the nomination of origin of mezcal. Mm-hmm. Other states like San Luis Potosí, Puebla, you know, that, that, we're, that we add um, to that, you know, the nomination of origin. Right. And so it's, you know, it's very, but mainly that's what it is. You know, a tequila is made with blue agave and the process and, and the way it's cooked is different than the mezcal. But we both have the denomination of origin. They're both from Mexico. They're both great spirits and they both make wonderful um, selection, you know, to, to, to drink, you know, it all depends. Again, I bring you back to your taste. And, and again, to that question, being in a store, um, you know, if you like Blanco and you like more pure, um, you know, flavors, then you go to a Blanco and you're going to find in a, in a tequila Blanco, more citrus, orange, lemon, lime, peppery at the note. I'm saying it generally. Okay. Just in general. Um, just for your audience to see what they like, you know. And so it's a little bit stronger, the flavor of the agave, you know, um, but it's great, like I said, paired with guacamole, with a ceviche, with peanuts. I always like to do do peanuts, plain, you know, just no salt, no flavors, you know, just peanuts. Um, You know, to start a meal, I think the tequila blanco is always something for sure you know if there's tequilas are sweeter than others and that's just your preference and you can you know start by just knowing the notes a little we jump to a reposado and we find because it's been aged at least two years so we pick up the flavors again from the barrels and we can find notes that are more oaky a little bit more um, buttery nutty that we that we have from the, you know, um, barrel, um, you know, the, from, from the wood that's been used for other spirits. And then we come for an añejo and you find the chocolate, the um, dry fruits, the clove, the, you know, 
and and then what it's amazing about all this is that you are also smelling and you're also imagining what it what it's smelling at us so you smell and you can smell rubber or leather or you know smoke like cigar or you know things that 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 I have been in in catas which is tequila tasting in Spanish you say mm. cata cata uh-huh we have a cata which we have a tequila tasting where you know we 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 do the difference and we smell one against other and it's taking you you know to oh my goodness this smells like like a grandma's closet you know because You know, I always say this, this smells like my grandma's closet. I cannot believe it, you know, because it's just the, you know, the 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 wood, you know, mm -hmm. how how it used to be like cedar wood, yeah. you know, or 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 the, you know, chocolate that, you know, if she had chocolate in the closet or, you know, <laughs> whatever, it brings you back memories and that's what so wonderful, you know. We have all these senses, you know, and um and knowing a a tequila and appreciating all the um Características organolépticas. Yeah, I'm gonna say it from a tequila. It is. It's. It's a different world. And you know. So then the añejo. You know, has more like I said. You know, the the dry fruits, the nuttiness. You know, the um, you know, chocolate and and the extrañejo even more pronounced. The agave flavor. It's more pronounced. You know, the the chocolate and the caramel and the vanilla. And then it all depends. On, on each brand and how long it's there for. And, you know, it, it's what, what it's there. But these are the flavors that you listeners can look for and see what you like. Then you say, well, no, I think I like more, not as woody, then go for a reposado. Woodier, then go for an extrañejo. Yeah. Richer, then, you know, an extrañejo. And just a little lighter, but but really like a, like a whiskey, if you want to compare it that way, then an añejo. And if you're going to eat like a um, meat, you know, with a mole, an añejo is incredible. And and it blends really well because of the naughtiness and the texture that you can have on a dish. And, you know, it, it all depends on what you like. And if you try it and you say, no, I'm not crazy about this, then I want to try this other one. You right. know, um, it, it, it's great. So uh, real quick, I wanted to go back to when you know, we, we got really deep into the preparation of the agave and cooking it and fermenting it. And for a moment, I was thinking a little bit of, for people that might be like uh, steak connoisseurs, for example, you know, where how the cattle was raised and pastured, how the cut of meat. You know, when I was thinking about you talking about the jimador in terms of how yeah. they're really cutting it down and mm -hmm. processing it, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things ultimately, you know, whether we're seasoning it or not in advance, all these things are really going to impact, you know, it's the same cow, but these refinements that are made yes. along the way end up really impacting what the flavor is on your plate the same way that we can think about with this plant here. You know, it's not just we pull it out of the ground and we're done. How we cut it down, how we cook it and process it, all of these things are going to yield different flavors that these uh, master tequileros are, uh, are, are bringing to us in our glass. Yes, absolutely. It's like they're babies. Mm -hmm. and, um, and more and more, there's studies, you know, about the, the, the terroir. You know, there's... Um, this one brand that I absolutely love that are doing um, their, their lots of tequila, you know, in, in different ranches, you know, and, and making the difference. This was 
this is very limited, you know, and this is from this terrar, from this piece of land. This is from the the other one, you know, and they're making a differentiation, even if it's from the highlands, right. even because they can prove and they can show you, you know, that that it's different, you know, flavor from one to another one. And it's been a passion for them. It's a project that they have. They're growing and, you know, and, 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 and I love it because it is um, a project that they have that I see um, more and more um, growing and more and more, you know, passion to, to try to really understand, you know, the difference. And we have values and, we, you know, it's very difficult. I can tell you, I don't know if really anything, anyone I have um, heard, you know, a grover speaking about, we have done panels about altos and about valles and connoisseurs, experts, you know, very difficult for them to tell you, oh yeah, this is from valles, oh yeah, this is from this, oh yeah, you know, it's just a a richness on 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 the different brands and knowing what you like. If you like, you know, a a brand, you know, Fortaleza, Arete, um, you know, anyone, um, Cascawin, um, Ocho, you know, Dinastia Real or Adictivo, I don't know, you know, it all depends on, you like you, the profile that, I can name you so many, right. you know, uh, brands that, that I, 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 will, I will fall short leaving somebody um, out there that, that I absolutely love. Um, you know, we have women that have created their own brands, you know, uh, San Matias, I, I, that's one of my favorite stories and friends, you know, that I have in the industry. So I invite everybody, come with me to tequila. <laughs> Tell me what you like. And, and, I, and, and I think that that's the best way. And I'm sure that after that, you'll know exactly what you like. So this is, this segues perfectly to kind of the final thing I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, I feel like many of us uh, gringos, we are not strangers to going to places like Puerto Vallarta, Cancun, Playa del Carmen. But I've First, have heard you speak of the absolute beauty of a place like the state of Jalisco, Guadalajara, yes, Tequila. Yes, yes. But so, but yeah. if so, but at the same time, I feel like um, some people can take a certain comfort in. Oh, I'm going to this resort town in Mexico. So, if someone, and I know that you said you even might have you have your own emerging option of way to to, to invite people, but. In general, if people are curious and want to kind of go to the go to the source, you know, I've been to a couple Ricea distilleries. Oh, I, would, I love Ricea too. But it's I, coming strong too. It, it yes, is. yes, yes. But I would. Um, but I'm also keen to go check out tequila. So if someone's curious about traveling for this, like they would for bourbon or wine, any tips or suggestions on? Is it just go? What would you recommend to someone if they? would like to get up close and personal with some tequila distilleries? Um, you know, you can Google, look at the distilleries, you can find where it is. And normally most of the distilleries are open to the public. Um, you know, most of the distilleries have tours available, great tours, and you come and you do a tour and you they have tastings, they have different packages. Um, Guadalajara has wonderful hotels, wonderful gastronomy. Ugh, it, you know, we have Tlaquepaque in Guadalajara, which is incredible for um, traditional pottery, uh, you know, everything in, in Tlaquepaque. You know, you see jewelry. It, it's great. In the whole Jalisco, we have the best gastronomy. 
you know, that, so, so the very traditional tortas ahogadas, um, carne en su jugo, you know, which is a, a, a beef that, you know, that they, they're very traditional. We have the mariachi, you know, the mariachi, that's the, the, their, um, como se dice, cuna. You know, where, where the nest of the of, of the mariachis Guadalajara. Mm. You know, it's where Guadalajara, you know, the mariachis from. So you hear the mariachis. You have the best, you know, gastronomy. You have, you know, all the all the distilleries that you can visit. You have the different regions, you know, because we have a Matitan, you know, we have all kinds of regions where, you know, where this is made in different towns, Arandas, you know. So you can just Google and then see what you want to do and, and do it that way. And everybody's always open and, you know, and and welcoming, more than anything, welcoming. Um, but if you want to call me, of course, if I would like the to. V, the VIP experience. If people. you want the VIP experience, absolutely, yes. That's one of the things that I do, and I love to do that because I take them – First, you know, it's difficult because everybody says so many things happening and crime and, you know, guns and things. And, you know, so I'm not going to guarantee that nothing happens because things happen in, in St. Louis, you know, in in the school, you know, in, in the sh everything, you know. So we are all sadly, this world is going crazy. So there's no guarantee. But if you know where to go in Mexico, if you know where and times that you can travel, it's safe. Yep. You know, it's safe and it's beautiful. And the experience that you have, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I can, I, I, you know, I, I, if you, if you want to contact me, I have keys, the tequila um, at gmail.com. And I have uh, packages and we go and we visit the owners of the distilleries. And then you can ask questions directly to the owners of the different brands that I can, you know, take you to. And, you know, it's a beautiful experience. We have the Paisaje Agavero by the UNESCO, which is, um, you know, the UNESCO heritage um, site since 2006. Mm. And it is a, an amazing site view as you drive from Guadalajara, that you land in Guadalajara and you go to Tequila and you go and you see how the agaves plant, you know, and 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 the sightseeing, I cry. I mean, I'm sorry that you're not gonna believe it. I cry every time I drive it, and every time I'm like so thankful for the opportunity to be able to go back to connect to see the agave right there, the way it is, the beauty. You see the blue because it is blue, you know, and you see all the blue agave right there welcoming you into tequila, and it's just. An experience itself to drive there and then to get to tequila and to smell at 5 a.m. the agave flavor. It's like going into a brewery. All of you, if you've been into a brewery and you go there and you smell all the, you know, um, things that of, of how the beer is made or, you know, bourbon. When you're in tequila and you smell all the agave, it's like, oof, because then from your nose and the experience of being in this Pueblo Magico, which is a magic town. Tequila is a magic town. And this is a uh, program that the Secretary of Tourism in Mexico created to do, um, you know, to, to promote Mexico. Um, in order for you to be a Pueblo Magico, you need to comply with different 
um, you know, things and you have to have an amazing experience and that's why it's called Pueblo Magico. So I invite everybody to come to Tequila. I'm expanding more um, on things that, that um, they're necessary and we can have another time, but I invite everybody to definitely come to Tequila. And um, I'm available if anybody have any questions. You always can email me, kizatequila at gmail.com, Mari Carmen Ortiz Conway. I am a tequila and mezcal expert, and I am happy, Chris, that, that you had me here and gave me the opportunity to share Mexico with the world. Tequila is a gift from Mexico to the world. Thank you so much for being here. This has been, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Gracias. Salud, everybody. Salud with the best tequila, the acompañado, That's always. Right. The, uh, yeah, in the company of friends. There we go. Salud. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. The show notes for today's episode are available at decodingcocktails.com slash podcast. If you'd like to keep up with what we're working on, there are two great ways to do so. One, our short weekly newsletter, Cocktail Confidential, which you can sign up for at decodingcocktails.com slash newsletter. Or give us a follow on Instagram at decodingcocktails. If you think this podcast is great stuff, we'd love it if you'd subscribe or, of course, share an episode with a friend. The Decoding Cocktails podcast is produced by Chris Bay and myself. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon, and happy cocktailing.